0: Thank you for joining us on the Waymaker Church podcast today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and makes a way for the new and deeper with Jesus Christ in your life. Enjoy. Today, I wanna talk about something that's really, really crucial. It's the Obadiah Dilemma. The Obadiah Dilemma. I know it sounds like a, a teen novel series, dystopia setting, Okay, maybe not. I just thought I was, but uh, the Obadiah dilemma is something that we're going to talk about because I believe that so many people are involved in I want to ask you a question before we get to the scriptures today. If I were to call you up, say, around 7 p.m., a couple hours before you go to bed, or if you're a fortnight person, six hours before you go to bed, <laughs> thank you. If I were to call you up about seven o'clock and I would just say, hey, just want to give you a heads up. I released a 20-foot python in your house. Good night. <laughs> what would you do? Would you, would you just ignore that? Would you just uh, drive over to my house and punch me in the face or something like that? Would you put your kids at bed at night and just go, you know, good night, kids, you know, say our prayers. And yeah, um, Pastor John did release a 20-foot python in the house, but love you. Right? And then you just, no, of course you wouldn't. You would immediately begin to decide if this was true or not. And whether or not you trusted it was true or not, you would start opening up the cabinets. You would start turning over the, the couch. You would be going room to room every inch of that house looking for that threat. Yes. Why? because you know that it would be negligent or even reckless to go to bed or to put your kids to bed in a house where there is a 20-foot python somewhere in there. The same is true spiritually. The same is true spiritually. We're gonna look today at demonic aggression. Demonic aggression. Now, as soon as I say demonic, some of you check out and some of you are getting out your playing cards like, oh good, we're talking about the dark forces. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, are we serious? And we're going to talk about both of those things in just a second, but we're going to get to this character named Obadiah in the Old Testament. But first I want to go to the conclusion of the New Testament in Revelation chapter two, because there's a reference to the Old Testament there that is relevant to right here and right now. Revelation chapter two, Jesus the resurrected and returning Jesus, he is going to return someday, is giving caution and warning to seven churches. And this church, Thyatira, in chapter two of Revelation, he says this, "'Nevertheless, I have this against you.'" In other words, heed this, lean in, you tolerate, you tolerate, what does that mean? That means you coddle, you empathize with, you permit, you collaborate with, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Okay, what is Jesus talking about here? Is there a woman in that particular church named Jezebel and they just need to talk to her? Actually, no. He's referring to a spirit A attitude, a demonic aggression that gets into a house, a church, can get into a person's life, can get into a household, can get into a spiritual family. And I'm going to talk about and define what that is, but it's in reference to someone in the Old Testament. You see, as Lisa reminded us last week, in Israel, there were a line of kings There was the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. They both had different lines of kings, and most of them were wicked and evil, and so were their queens. But the most notoriously evil and wicked of them all, yes, was Ahab and his wife. Guess what her name is? Jezebel. Now, some of you are new to church. This may be your first time back in church in 20 years or for the first time ever. And you know that the name Jezebel does not ring with positivity. Well, here's why. Because that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. In other words, when this spirit gets in a church, oftentimes it comes wrapped in religion and spirituality. It comes like a Trojan horse Disguising itself as something that we should maybe listen to or collaborate with. By her teaching, she has misled my servant into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Immorality and idolatry. Immorality and idolatry. You have tolerated this spirit. Now... Because this is the heart of God and this is the expression and this is the proclamation of Jesus, the divine son, we see this next part. And that is, I have given her time to repent. That's what God does. It is his kindness that leads to repentance, it is his caution and his compassionate warning. It is his, hey, I'm here to tell you that if you don't, if you don't, If you keep tolerating this, if you don't confess this, if you don't call this out, if you don't confront this, if you do though, if you do repent, and we see at the end of that chapter what happens with this church, man, they are promised that they will have a voice in the nations. Mm. But what's at stake if they do not repent? What's at stake is not just their influence and their impact in the kingdom, but literally the destruction of this church. So Jesus comes and says, hey, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. If you wanna find out what happens, read the rest of that chapter. But today I wanna talk about something. And it's very important that we as a church talk about this. And that is, A Jezebel spirit. Now, I'm going to define that in just a second, but I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and define it. Let me go ahead and define it. Jezebel spirit, what is it? It's a demonic aggression. Mm. A demonic aggression that does three things primarily. seduces, it intimidates, and it divides. It seduces. Hey, come over here. It intimidates, it bullies, it tries to get us to, out of fear, make decisions that we know are not in line with the kingdom of God. And it divides, it divides people, it divides people who are on mission with God against one another. And so we're going to look at how that spirit gets into a a church. Now if we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about demonic aggression, I want to go ahead and quote a 20th century theologian philosopher, C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, but he also wrote the Scrooge Letters, Mere Christianity and some other great works of the 20th century. Therefore, or there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence, just completely ignore it. La, 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 Jesus is awesome. And completely ignore that we are in a battle Right? One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Right? And I think both are here today. I think some of you, as soon as I said Jezebel spirit, again, you got out your playing cards. It's like, oh yeah, and this spirit, and this spirit, and there's and and and, and what we do, as, as according to Lewis, is we go over here and we, we assign everything that we don't agree with with demonic influence. Well, I don't agree with him. I bet he's oppressed by a demon, okay? Or we ignore it altogether. Now, here's what he concludes. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors. See, that's what our enemy, Satan, wants us to do, either ignore them or obsess about them. Either ignore them or give them more credit than they should be given. And today, I want to talk about what happens uh, when we tolerate a Jezebel spirit. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration. And I asked to to share this story. Uh, A friend of ours, uh, my my wife and I, uh, a a tree fell on her car this week. Because, man, what a crazy week, right? Uh, A tree fell in her car. And as a result, the back window came out. We went over and we were trying to help her, you know, get the car situated and find out what we're going to do with this fallen branch and so on and so forth. And I said, hey, uh, we're going to need to chop up this and get it out of here. In the meantime, while you're figuring out the insurance, let's put a tarp over your back window. Do you have a tarp in your backyard? Yes, I do. In fact, it's right there. And I could see the tarp right there. And there uh, in the midst of the tarp was the backyard. And in the backyard was a black lab, a black lab that I know very well. I know him by name. I've played fetch with this black lab. And just like all black labs, they are welcoming to all, even people who break in your house, right? You guys know if you own a lab, I mean, they may bark once and you give them a treat and they're like, hey, I'm gonna show you around. Here's where all the good stuff is. (laughs) They're so hospitable. They are pastoral in the canine world, right? So I see the black lab. I know that I can walk right into the backyard, no problem. I was not aware, though, that my friend had gotten another dog, and that dog is a blue healer. Now, here's what you need to know about that breed. They are an Australian cattle dog. Here's what blue healers do. They make sure that cows don't wander off and wolves don't wander in. You guys know where this is going, don't you? I'm gonna say that again. They make sure that cows don't wander off and that wolves don't wander in and they will go to battle. Yes, amen. They will go to battle with a wolf. Well, I thought maybe the lab would vouch for me like, hey man, he's cool, I know him, he's cool. Uh, that didn't get translated, so I walk into the backyard, the blue healer barks at me two times, leaps up and takes a pressure bite right on my left arm. Just enough, not like a, one of those killer dogs that you're thinking of, because we know those dogs. This was just enough pressure to say, hey dude, I don't know you, you better back off. So what do I do? I backed off. I closed the gate, and I said to the owner of the house, you're going to need to get that tart for me. You see, when you think about a local church, what do you need in a local church? You need hospitable, pastoral, shepherding voices, don't you? You need people to say, man, you're welcome here. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what your story is, you are welcome up in this house. Come here. Sit down. And you also need a voice that says, back off. Not up in this house. You will not pass. That's a Gandalf reference, if you were wondering. What's more important, the compassionate, hospitable voice in a church or the protecting, prophetic voice in a church? And the answer is yes. Yes. And so we're going to talk today with both of those voices. You guys with me? We're going to talk pastorally and we're going to talk prophetically. Because why? Because both are very important. Not just in roles and in offices in a church but in the life of a believer so how do we know if we are tolerating a jezebel spirit in our life in our house in our church i'm going to give you three okay here we go complacent about personal and cultural strongholds complacent what does that mean i'm just tired of fighting i'm just tired you know what there's a stronghold in my life it has had its way in my life before. I've repented of it. I've gotten, I've, I've, I've gotten ground and I've won. But now here I am at this place in my life and I'm just tired. Uh, the culture is beating me down. Um, there's all of these cultural strongholds. They're so excessive. They're so <laughs> conniving. They're so everywhere. I'm just tired. And so what happens is we just get lazy and we get tired and we stop contending with these strongholds. Then, as a result, we just decide that we're going to um, compare ourselves to other people so that we can excuse things in our life that we know are not of the kingdom of God. We compare. Well, at least I'm not that person. At least I'm not. If that's where you are in your life, we've all been there. You might be tolerating a Jezebel spirit. You might be. Okay? What's next? What's next? Comply with religious bullies and false prophets. So, you have voices in your life right now. Some of them are friends, some of their family, some of their people right here in this church. And they are pressuring you with their influence and maybe even their personality. They're, They're saying, You should condemn this. You should cancel that. You should condone that over there. And man, they are so convincing. They've got research, guys from the internet they do and they not not only that but they've printed it out you know when somebody prints it out they're next level like they went to the printer they sacrificed some trees for this and because we know this person and and part of us trust this person we're like okay well maybe you're right maybe i should condemn this or condone this. Maybe I should cancel this. Uh, the other part of that is uh, it's the person who comes to us that we know, maybe love, maybe trust, maybe all of those things, and they say, hey, can you really trust what the Bible says about this issue? I mean, can, can you really? I mean, like, this just seems like the Bible might be a little bit dot, dot, dot. Or can you really trust your church Can you really trust the voices and can you trust the leadership? I know you've been in that church for a while and you, 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 you know, all the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful, you've walked through that and and all that. But can you really, and you start to think, well, maybe I can't, Maybe, maybe they're right. And we start to comply with religious bullies and false prophets. Think about this for a second. Do you have that in your life right now? If so, you might be you might be tolerating a Jezebel spirit, a demonic aggression that seeks to distract, divide, and ultimately destroy. And then finally, there's this, we coddle jealous and divisive voices. Coddle, what does that mean? Do you have that friend or that person that you know who just always seems to be surrounded by drama? Okay, I got you. The Gandalf reference, gone. Didn't get you on that one. We dialed it in on this one. Because every single person here is going, oh, yeah, I know this person. They're always calling. They're always, you, you can just, you, like, you're talking to this one person who seems upset by something, and you just say, you know, what, like, oh, you were fine, like, yesterday. What's going on? Oh, well, and that person called them. Drama's just everywhere everywhere. And, and they're in the midst of the drama. They are, you know, well, I just, you know, I mean, they said that, that, that you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, and, and, and you find yourself, because you're so empathetic, because you've got that Labrador in you, come on, you seem to, to go right to, to empathizing with that voice. Your, your, your first thought is not to discern. Like, wow, every time I around this person. There seems to be drama and divisiveness and, and, and all this thing, but man, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They, they did that to you. They said that to you, and we're just quick to jump, jump right on board with it. We coddle jealous and divisive voices. That voice that says, I was just trying to help, and they said no. Oh, they said no to you. I'm so sorry. They don't know you. I know you. And we just get right on board. And all of a sudden, like two weeks later, we're going, Why is my life full of chaos? And you track it back to Drama Queen or I've been in the church for 47 years. I'm the son of a preacher man. Okay, nobody got that one. We coddle jealous and divisive voices. I'm gonna tell you this, 47 years in a local church, the biggest threat for a local church is not what's going on outside. Culture's gonna do what culture is gonna do. I have seen the thing that divides a church the most is often this spirit. This spirit gets in a church, man, it gets turned up. And, man, it is good, well-meaning, Jesus following people who don't realize all of a sudden they got in a place where they started making agreements with a demonic aggression. And the very people who just yesterday were a way maker, they were building bridges and removing obstacles for people, now all of a sudden are caught up in tolerating something and actually participating in dividing and distracting the church or a home or a group of Jesus' followers. Here's the problem. To tolerate a Jezebel spirit will distract, will divide and eventually destroy a family, a family, a household. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Mom and dad came to you when you were a freshman in college. They sat down with you and they said, we're getting a divorce. A divorce? What? Yep, we're getting a divorce. Where did this come from? All of a sudden, you start tracking it back and you go, okay, yeah. They started getting complacent about things. They started complying with things. They started coddling things. And this thing got right into our house, got right into their marriage. And, oh, my goodness, they're completely divided. And the same thing happens in a church, a church that's, man, taking ground for the kingdom of heaven. We, in the first service, and I would say go back and, and watch that service, we, we got to see uh, Ava Rinji, who's in our way kids, uh, profess her belief and followership in Jesus Christ through believer's baptism. And who baptized her? Her father, her father. And it was just this powerful moment as he's giving his testimony. And he's just saying, I'm so proud of you because I know this is a decision that you've made. And then he looks into the camera at, at, at us, the church. And he says, I just wanna thank all the people who've come alongside our family to see this happen. I'm gonna tell you something, man. That's taken, that's taken ground from the enemy that's yeah you can, come on come on claire you know what i'm saying and if we're gonna see 25 churches planted in 25 years and 2500 goers go to the nations and go to uh, church forsaken places i'm gonna tell you we invite we invite an aggression we invite an aggression and so we can decide if we're gonna to tolerate that and be afraid of that, or we're going to be very much aware of it on guard and confront it with the authority and the empowerment of the name of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. I, I, I just wanna be a part of a church that just says, look, we're not gonna ignore you and we're not gonna give you more credit than is do, but we are gonna be aware of you. We're gonna see where you're trying to sneak in And pastorally and prophetically, pastorally and prophetically, which is more important? Yes. Yes. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Hey, no, you can't do that. No, you're not gonna do that. I love you. And I know this isn't even about you. This is strongholds in your life. Man, this is even generational. Man, this has been attached to you since your granddaddy back in Kentucky. So this ain't personal. I love you how you're acting, what you're talking about, look, we're just gonna pray that out right now. You trust me, you trust me, I don't know if I trust you. Well, listen, how about this? The spirit of God is here, he will unite us, let's pray through this and let's get this thing out of here. Oh, come on, is Jimmy, you with me, Jimmy? Okay, that's what we gotta talk about. So the Obadiah dilemma, first, what's the good news? Here's the good news. Good news is is Jesus gives us the authority and strength to confront demonic aggression and restore what it damages. And I've been in this church for 25 years. Whew! man, I've gotten some emails. Years ago, there was a guy that would roam around. He'd check his kids into, this guy's gone, so I can tell you this. He would check his kids into into, uh, to, to. to our kids' programming, and then he'd walk around the lobbies, and he would trash all of our leadership and all of our doctrine, just walk around and talk to people. Just, and so so somebody, yeah, I just kept hearing about this guy, and so finally, I just, I just emailed, hey, man, let's meet, you know, I just love to see what's going on with you and hear your heart. No, no, that's okay, I don't need to meet with you. Okay, so I gave him the, the, the let's have coffee uh, email, and then Uh, The second email was, look, man, I know what you're doing. And I I, want to talk about this. And you're dividing our church. We are not above feedback. We don't have it together. If you want to give us feedback, that's great. But you're not going to walk around the lobby and spit out poison on people and not be held accountable to it. I love you. Labrador. but that ain't gonna keep doing You're not gonna keep doing that, okay? You're not gonna keep doing that. And I think that churches die, and this is not original to me, but I believe it. Churches die of terminal niceness, right? Everybody wants to be nice in front of each other's face, but then behind each other's back, it's a totally different story. And I'm telling you what, the Jezebel spirit just gets in at me. Hey, can you guys pray for Obadiah? What's going on with Obadiah? Well, Obadiah is mixed up in this thing and and you know and and Obadiah said no to me and Obadiah is 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 of the devil and you guys need to pray for him. Well, I know Obadiah. That doesn't sound like Obadiah. It happens just like that. Prayer request. You see Jezebel was a a false prophet. She came wrapped in religion. And here's the deal, and we got to understand this. This is not about people because we are people. And we don't understand that sometimes our own flesh listens to and makes agreement with this aggression and then we carry it right into with our own flesh into our home and into our spiritual family. So, let's talk about a guy who has to deal with a dilemma. First Kings chapter 18. Let's get right into it. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, who is Elijah. He is a prophet of God. And we're going to talk about his voice in just a second. Three years before this, he went to wicked King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And he says, because of your idolatry and your immorality and what you're doing in Israel and what you're doing in this house, there will be a drought and there will be a famine to discipline you and to call people to repentance. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will reign or it will reign on the land. So what happens? So Elijah, what does he do? Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Here's what we have to see about the Elijah voice. The literal man, Elijah, in the Old Testament, but also the representation of the voice of Elijah in the scriptures and now even in the church. Here's the Elijah voice, a prophetic and pastoral voice for God's vision in the world. Prophetic, hey, 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 before you come in here, I gotta know what you're about. Pastoral, come on in, come on in. Have a seat, we're gonna pray for you. What's your story? A prophetic and pastoral voice for God's vision in the world. Prophetic, hey, it's not gonna rain for three years. Pastoral, hey, it's gonna rain. It's not gonna rain for three years because of immorality and idolatry, pastoral voice. Hey, um, I want you to know that a showdown is coming. God's gonna show his power and people are gonna repent and a lot of people are gonna be restored uh, to Yahweh. Amen. Oh, and a lot of other people aren't. Read the rest of that, you'll get what I'm saying. An Ahab spirit, what is that? An Ahab spirit is this, a spirit of tolerance, passivity, and agreement with demonic aggression. Ahab's spirit. Who is Ahab? Ahab is the king of Israel. He marries a foreign woman named Jezebel from a non-Israelite tribe or non-Israelite people. She brings with her all of her idolatry, her worship of Baal, her worship of Baal, which is... Uh, a part of sexual immorality in worship, worshiping our sexual pleasure, and also sacrifices the children. They kill their children. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. Asherah is the worship of our sexual pleasure. And what does Jezebel do? She brings it right into the palace of Israel and get us what Ahab does. He says, okay, yeah, sure, great. Whatever you wanna do, honey. An Ahab spirit sits in churches every week. And typically they come in with good intentions, but eventually, because we are so tolerant and we're so passive and we make agreements with this, uh, we're either sitting there mute and not saying anything, or we're spreading poison for Jezebel. Woo! Mm. An Ahab spirit. Remember, this is about a guy named Obadiah. He's coming. Now, what happens? The famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab, okay, Ahab, what does he do? Had summoned Obadiah. There he is, the Obadiah dilemma. His palace administrator, Obadiah, was a devout believer in the Lord. Here's the Obadiah dilemma. There it is. He is a devout believer in Yahweh. And he is also the administrator for the most notoriously wicked king and queen in all of Israel's history. That, my friends, in case you're wondering, is a hard place to be. And I believe that a lot of people sitting right here find yourself in that very dilemma. What is, how does this manifest? So it says that Obadiah, he goes off and he's on behalf of, of the, uh, the prophet or the Ahab, he, he goes off to find water. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Here's the Obadiah dilemma. Don't miss this, don't miss this. A devout believer entangled and controlled by a demonic aggression entangled and controlled. A devout believer, I think there's a lot of people who, who believe that Jesus lived, he died for, on the cross for sin, evil and death so that it wouldn't bully us anymore, that he resurrected from the dead, that he's coming back for his church and in the meantime we're to, to do greater things than even he did when he walked the face of the earth as his church. And yet you find yourself entangled and controlled by demonic aggression. You live in anxiety, fear. You don't wanna speak up anymore. I know this because I've been right there in the midst of it. The fear of man paralyzes us. Obadiah is in a situation. Remember the Jezebel spirit? Real quick, let's review that. A demonic aggression that seduces, intimidates, and divides God's people from God's mission. So what happens? Obadiah sent out by Ahab to find water for the livestock. And guess what happens? Let's jump in. As Obadiah was walking along, guess who he meets? Elijah met him. Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground, and said, Is it really you? Don't miss this. My Lord Elijah. That word Lord means one who has authority over me. He recognizes the prophetic voice of God immediately. Immediately, he recognizes the prophetic voice of God. So, what happens? It says, verse 8 yes, he replied, I tell you, your master. Guess what that word means? One who has authority over me. Lord and master are literally the same word. What is the Obadiah dilemma? He has two masters. I heard a rabbi once say, you cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. You will love one and hate the other eventually. You think, I think, nah, I've got it, I can do this. I can live with the tension of both worlds. I can collaborate and coddle and and all these things with the spirit over here, as long as I keep hiding the prophets of God in the cave. And so what does Elijah say? What does Elijah say? Well, first we gotta realize this. God makes his vision clear when cultural strongholds collide with our devotion to Jesus. I'm gonna tell you this today. If some of you are in the Obadiah dilemma, God wants to make it clear to you today what his vision is for your life. The enemy kills, he steals, he destroys. He confuses, he does not clarify. He wants to keep you and me in the dark. God wants to bring us into the light. He's given us the Holy Spirit to say, Look, here's discernment, here's wisdom, here's courage, here's the light. We don't have to wonder, man, what does God want me to do? Just like Obadiah is out walking, looking for water and who does he meet? Literally God's prophet, the voice of God. And he says, here's what you need to do. First, Obadiah's response, and this is big. We have to understand that what have I done wrong? Ask Obadiah. Isn't that typical response of the Obadiah dilemma? Oh God, what do you want me to do? Like, I just can't, I can't live in both of these worlds. You want me to do more that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death. Why would he say this? Because everybody who said, Hey, I saw Elijah, Ahab goes doesn't see Elijah and then kills the messenger. I think a lot of us right now feel like the messenger who's gonna get killed if we say, hey, I don't think it's cool that we kill our kids or that we let them be sold into slavery. I don't think that's cool. In fact, I think it's wrong. because it's connected to people, isn't it? People we know and we love and we're in relationships with. And that's what we have to recognize. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your brother who's caught up in it right now, your sister who's caught up in it, you who've been caught up in it before, it all started with agreements that we make with principalities and dark forces. Did God really say And can you really live self-disciplined in this craving? I don't think so. Just give yourself over to it. What have I done wrong? Haven't you heard my Lord, what I did? While Jezebel was killing the prophets, Of the Lord, I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. You remember what I did back then? That's the Obadiah dilemma. We live in our spiritual past instead of taking courage in our spiritual present. Why do you want more from me? And now I tell you, and now, you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. So what what happens? And I think this is important that we understand this is that ultimately Elijah says to Obadiah, you've got a choice to make. You can trust me or not. I'm the voice, I'm the prophetic voice of Yahweh. I'm saying go do this this is the Lord's will if you do it you will be obedient to God's will and yes it is scary but I will be where I say I'm going to be and by the way Obadiah there's going to be a showdown with God and the false prophets of Baal and you want to be on the side of Yahweh hmm Would you stand with me? I wanna read this over us. Ephesians chapter six, the apostle Paul says this about the authority and the power that we are given. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Who can we be strong in? We can be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You and I, as followers of Jesus, don't have to ignore these things or give it more credit than it's due, but we can recognize it, confront it, call it back to hell. We've been given the authority to do that. First in our own lives. You know what? That is not of the Lord. I'm getting ready to let something in my house, getting ready to let something in my mind, getting ready to let something in my marriage, and it is not of the Lord. I will not comply with that. I will not coddle that. Go back to hell where you belong. I can say that, because I have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. in I can take a stand and so can you. We do not need to be intimidated by this. Next verse. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And this is so important because oftentimes, most of the time, this is coming to us presented in flesh and blood relationships. People we know and love often, people we work with, people we go to small group with people we serve alongside with and and all of a sudden we're discerning, wait a minute, I don't think this person is living in the Holy Spirit right now. They're speaking for and acting out of something else. What am I supposed to do? Condemn them and judge them? No. Because our, 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 our fight is not against people. It's the forces of darkness that influence and impact people. And we are people. And so we as a church can lean into these situations and just say, hey, I'm just discerning right now, this is not unifying. I'm discerning right now, this is not kingdom of God stuff. I just don't think that, that the Lord would have us say this or do this. Can we right now just call that out? hey, you know what? Let me me turn this off for a second. You know what, guys? I I don't think we should should be permitting ourselves to just entertain this. And look, look, I'm not here to be, you you know, more than, than I am right now. I'm just saying, I just have a discernment right now that this is not of the Lord and the enemy wants us to coddle this and compromise with this and comply with this. And so can I just be the guy right now that just says that? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's the good news Jesus gives us the authority, He gives us the strength to confront demonic aggression and restore what it damages. Come on. Woo! Look. That's why when we meet guys, when we meet in these, in these kind of environments and there'll never be an, there'll never be a moment like this where the, this group of people is in the same room. This is a special moment, right? That's why when we meet, we don't just sing songs and hear decent sermons. No, no, no. We've come to expect the power of the living God to be invited here and to move among us for spiritual gifts to be utilized, to edify the body of Christ for darkness to be called out, for light to be shined upon us, for Jesus to be famous, for his death and resurrection to be the good news that we celebrate, that we sing about, and that we walk out of here knowing that we have something to bring to our neighbors and the nations, and it's not judgment and condemnation. It is power, it is strength, it is love, it is compassion, it is healing, it is patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control, which is the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, there's nothing that the enemy would like to do but get us trapped up in the struggles and the divisiveness of religious games. And I heard a Pennsylvania poet once say, you play stupid games, And you win stupid prizes. And I believe right now, a lot of us are caught up in it. So I just want to take some time right now just to call it out. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thank you to those who give to Waymaker Church. It is because of you that our ministry is possible. Visit waymaker.church to give now. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can also share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Now go make a way.